We talked to a former airline employee and aviation enthusiast, Jamie Teat, about the implication of organizations being created to transport people across state lines in order to obtain abortions, gender reassignment procedures, and possibly more. I'm John Fender, along with Gary Humble and Kevin Kukaji. This is the Freedom Matters Podcast. Okay, well, uh, happy 4th. Welcome or back. belated fourth, I yeah. guess. Um, what'd you guys do? Gary, you're like... Um, I got sunburned. Yeah, you look like a lobster. <laughs> what happened, man? <laughs> Campaigning on the campaign trail, yeah. man. People want to shake hands. And you know, the thing is, we have a uh, we had a tent, right? But it's like... But you can't stay under the tent. Yeah, and you, and you feel like a schmuck if you stay under the tent. You, it's like you're not trying to be with the people, but I really was trying to just stay in the shape. Yeah. But anyway, I so I ended up... We had this huge tent. The problem is... I ended up standing in front of the tent yeah, for well, most, which was not it helpful. Show, it shows <laughs> it on your shows. skin. Sunscreen would have been a good thing to have with you. <laughs> John, you don't look like you got any sun this weekend. And I spent the most of the weekend on the lake. But that's Un- what happens when you wear sunscreen, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I spent the weekend on the lake and then um, proceeded to blow a bunch of stuff up. <clears throat> like balloons? No, like uh, really oh, expensive like fireworks bang. that you know you spend a lot of money on and then evaporate like that as soon as you mm. blow them all up. But whatever, the kids had fun. So I did a really old person thing. You went to sleep early. No, oh. my my wife and I watched the Nashville fireworks on television. Oh, that's there's no that's fine with me. But thirty one. You ever minutes. tried to go downtown to do uh, that? Oh yes, I have a story for you. Nineteen ninety three, the year after we moved here. We went downtown for fireworks, and this was before Nashville understood crowd control. Mm. Um, After the fireworks, first of all, when we were going back to our car in the parking lot, we were elevated parking lot, I got beer poured on me from three stories up. That's Nashville. (laughs) And then we we sat in the parking lot, and the lady ahead of us didn't know about taking turns, and she sat and literally let every single car in the parking (laughs) lot go out ahead of us. And then getting merge, out... Merge, people, merge. No, Nashville doesn't know how to merge. Getting out of Nashville, this was before they understood you could make one-way streets of two-way streets in mm-hmm. order to get people out quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was like a parking lot. Mm-hmm. So it took us three hours just to get back to, at the time, we lived in West End. But <clears throat> No, we stayed home because my wife had been gone for a couple of weeks because we are proud grandparents for Yay. the first time. Yeah, Congrats. saw that picture. Sweet Thank stuff. you very much. Um, so yeah, low-key... Low key for the wife and I, although my children went and saw the Franklin fireworks, which yeah. I understand were also pretty impressive. Good, good. Well, Kevin, you have brought a guest today. I've brought a guest. Would you like me to do the introduction? I would love for you to do the honors. Yes, All please. Right. With us here today is uh, Jamie Teat, is her name. And I've gotten to know her because I've had the privilege of teaching one of her children uh, in some homeschool tutorials both uh, out where they live in Wilson County and also in Williamson County. And um, in light of Roe v. Wade, Jamie and I from time to time will exchange emails on political, cultural issues. And Jamie brought to my attention something that I thought would be fascinating and important for our audience to learn about. And that is this idea of in a post-Roe world, in a post-Dodd world when Roe is no longer in effect... Now we see the, and I'm sure many of you have heard about businesses offering to pay for their employees to go and have abortions in other states that don't restrict it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Jamie has pointed out to me that there actually are some organizations who have pilots and staff who volunteer to take 
people previously, they were established for transporting them across state lines to have um, gender reassignment surgery. Um, and now it looks like they're getting into the abortion industry by transporting potentially even minors across state lines for the purpose of having abortions in other states. So with that, Jamie, I'll let you um, kind of take the floor, unless, John, you have a comment. I don't. Okay. Did I look like, like you, I did? Oh, like sorry. You took no. a big breath like you're ready to say something. I'm good right now. Okay. I'm sure there will be more. <laughs> well, first of all, let me just say it's a pleasure to be here. I, I cannot thank you guys so much for letting me just bring this up. Um, first of all, I just want to kind of explain who I am. I, I, I'm I've always been a grassroots pro-life activist. I, I worked with um, Tennessee Right to Life a few years ago and still uh, contribute to our local pregnancy care centers. Um, and I'm also a former flight attendant and have been involved in general aviation. And it's because of my um, involvement with general aviation, I have two children who are pursuing or they want to pursue a career in aviation. And when I found this organization through one of the forums for aviation, it's called Elevated Access and they are a growing number of pilots. They started out May 1st. They had two or three pilots, I believe, and they are now up to 700 pilots that are willing and able to take women and, and boys, men too, I guess, um, across state lines that are more accepting of people who want abortions. Um, my concern as a mother is two things. Number one, I know that there is a very heavy correlation between abortion, human trafficking, and any kind of sex crimes. That is how they cover up a lot of—they basically cover for the perpetrator. Um, and then also another concern of mine was, was if they were going to be open in transporting minors. The reason that I am really concerned over this is the fact that most of the states across or in our area or surrounding Tennessee have what are now trigger laws, Tennessee being one of them. Basically, this is a law that is going to outlaw abortion fully. And in this case, as a, as a parent of four daughters, <laughs> I just have a—I wouldn't want my child— to go how, go with some stranger across state lines into another state. And and the one state that I feel like is the closest to us is um, Illinois. Yeah, the, that has very liberal abortion. Yes, and as of June 1st, they— made it into law that there is no there's no parental consent. Any age can go get an abortion at all. So that concerns me too, you know, just how many people, and it's not just Tennessee, it's a lot of the surrounding states. Right. It's not only just killing the life of the child, but it is also a very invasive procedure. I mean, there's so many side effects that can go on with that. And I just, I can't imagine just having your child thinking that they're gone for the day maybe spending the night at a friend's house, coming home and hemorrhaging or something and not having a clue. I, I, I don't know. It's just, it just seems very wrong and concerning. So let's, <coughs> let's put this into context because <clears throat> when you go to the Elevated Access uh, website, the first thing you see is a logo of an airplane, a tail of an airplane of the two wings with a rainbow, actually two different kinds of rainbows. You have a traditional rainbow on the left and then a rainbow of all different, like black, brown, blue, pink, and white mm -hmm. on the right. So it's very clear what they are signaling. But listen to the, at the very front of the website, it says, Our volunteer pilots transport passengers at no cost 
to access the health care they need. Mm-hmm. Right? This is always this is always the sleight of hand that the abortion, transgender, LGBTQ alphabet people use. They try to cloak what they're doing as being a health care matter. Right, right. And every I mean anybody with any knowledge on abortion knows abortion is not health care right. and any kind of gender hormones Which, or <laughs> Good point, right, Gary? Did you see there was a a great comment from I forget who who we give credit to this. You can find it out in the Twitter universe. But someone someone made the comment, yeah, all of these Planned Parenthoods were closing down immediately after the Dodd decision, and someone poignantly said, Well, if they're only providing three <laughs> percent you know, three percent of their services is abortion, why are you shutting down? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And to be clear too, just this elevated access thing that we're gonna kinda dig into here. This was this was prior to the Dobbs ruling. This was prior to abortions being outlawed in several states. Due to that decision, they were they were um, initially flying folks around for gender reassignment and, and all that sort of stuff. Or, or did or did it just all of a sudden come out of nowhere after the Dobbs decision? Okay, um, I I did want to just make a quick correction. What I am seeing is they have not flown anybody for gender reassignment. This, uh, Even though they say they've been around for a year, I can only go back to, like, May. So I, I, yeah, it's only you saw, very— Yeah, because you saw literally they had, like, two or three pilots in May, and in then May, after and the Dobbs decision, boom, they've got— Correct. You know, we're, we're, we're starting—we're approaching a 1,000, you know, pilots yes. ready to uh, fly folks around. All over. But that is what the mission says. Mm-hmm. It says, because we believe everyone deserves access to health care such as abortion and gender-affirming care— mm-hmm. Our volunteer pilots, blah blah blah. So right. those are the only two things that they're interested and, in. And as mm. according to their Facebook page, they've only flown one person, and that was for an abortion. Just I think about two weeks ago. So, so this is just getting started. This is just getting started. You know right? what's interesting about to me about this, you know, because what you mentioned earlier when we were talking that there's great potential when you're talking about an airplane flight because you can do that pretty quick. You can get somewhere and back, Super you know, fast. within the span of under 24 hours and so feasibly without the parents' knowledge. And it's interesting that we're talking about this because yesterday when I was doing the campaign thing out the 4th of July, all these people are coming and talk about various issues. And this mom came up to me and she's wanting to know what we could do legislatively about doctors' offices, hospitals, medical centers that are – she's had she has three daughters. And this has now happened to two of her daughters now. After they get the age of uh, – get to the age of 12, they take them in to, to be seen in a, a pediatrics unit. And while the mom or, or any parent is not in the exam room, they'll question this child. Are you sexually active? Are you blah, 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 blah? And literally on this, this – this happened last week to her 12-year-old daughter. And not only did, did the physician uh, – this is – because this is – she was really hot. I would be too. I can't even mm-hmm. believe this is going on. It wasn't only the medical questions of, you know, are you sexually active, whatever. The doctor literally said, and, you know, this is confidential. Your parents don't have to know. Now, we're talking about Outrageous. A, a, a 12-year-old yeah. girl, and you even you, – you have a, a medical community that – holds a belief that they have a right to parent your child, essentially. Mm -hmm. They have a right to provide some sort of medical care uh, prescribed by 
whatever it is that culture thinks they need or, you know, the government is, is prescribing at this point. And that, to me, that sort of, that really plays into just a worldview of these people that that form these organizations and, and believe that there is some sort of communal right to provide these services to children outside of the purview of their parents. And it's it was dangerous. And again, that's it's happening right here in Nashville. And that was just one clinic, you know, she was talking. I can't imagine how pervasive potentially that is across not just Tennessee, but the U.S. I'm glad we're talking about this because I think now after Dobbs and uh, and I and I know you've got I want to get into how this plays into the potential for human trafficking and all that, too, because I think this is going to open a can of worms. We're, we're going to see so much of this now because abortion is going to be restricted mm-hmm to fewer states, this trafficking issue is going to become quite significant. Yeah, no. And actually, it's interesting because I know our local airport close where I live, they actually showed some concern. And I know one of the employees are actually on, basically, she is a committee. committee on, mm-hmm. on uh, She's trying to find organizations that that local airport can partner with. And um, one of the things that's interesting is with, you know, generally— Wait, oh, partner with to stop this, to though. To stop— Yeah, stop. not partner with Whoa, to— Whoa, sorry. Yes, yes. I'm so sorry. Kevin, thank you for correcting mm-hmm. me. But yeah, um, but one of the things that is— with local airports as they are so small, you know, you, you have very little contact with, contact with the employees of those airports. And, um, and as you were saying, Gary, one of the things that you've noticed with the medical field and obviously these pilots, they really feel like in their heart, in, in, core, in their core, they're doing the right thing and they're doing a great service. They might not even be aware of who they are transporting. A lot of times that's part of what the trafficking or, or, you know, somebody that is maybe a perpetrator of a sexual crime. The le- the they're, less- seeing, they're seeing a poor child Correct. in need when in actuality this is a child potentially being trafficked, trafficked. Right. by an organization. Right. And if you can bypass the major airlines, for example, you're in and out of a local airport. If you can bypass the employees of, say, you know, Southwest American Delta. Yeah. So let's walk through that yeah. so the audience understands because we talked about that before. Yes. Tell us the difference and why a small airport is going to be so useful to the traffickers as opposed to the large airports and the airlines. What's the difference between what a major airline might be able to see or have access to to stop it versus what someone at a small airport is never going to be able to stop? Yeah, I mean, they they may not even really see who is on and off the plane. It's, It's so, you know, just quick trip through the FBO. And I, I know they'll, you know, they have, they may have to coordinate, you know, what is it? I, I, why, why do I want to say boarding? Well, didn't they, <laughs> so, like, but don't they also, on, oh, go ahead. Well, don't they also train flight attendants, pilots, airline staff now to recognize, and they've become very good at recognizing the signs of human trafficking? Right. Every single uh, airline employee that is, goes through training that's going to be, um, come in contact with the passengers. That's flight attendants, customer service, pilots, um, operations agents, anybody who's going to have a lot of contact with the passengers have been trained. They have had initial training when they first get hired, and then they have a yearly training every year. And um, some of the things that the major airlines, such as Southwest and Delta, they have partnered with organizations like the Polaris Project, which is an organization to put an end stopping uh, human trafficking 
But at, these don't exist, obviously, at small local airports. No, no, not right now. Like, like that's one thing that I, I, I hope that this local airport in my area starts a grassroots, you know, change. Because, because they were shocked to learn of it, right? right. From well, this one particular employee well, said, hey, there's a problem. No, actually, the uh, CEO actually said she has thought about it a lot. She's actually brought it up before, and, and this particular employee, you know, kind of pushed and said, what if we have signs in the bathroom or something like that? You know, just something. And right. so um, the hope is that for this employee is just to get some, um, you know, maybe training for the employees or, you know, just, just see. She, this probably came up about an hour before I came okay. here. So. so it is breaking <laughs> so, news. Yes, it is. So, um, so anyway, and I do know that there is another airline organization today that is meeting tonight that is going to talk about human trafficking and general aviation, or stopping human trafficking in general aviation. In general aviation. aviation. Yes, yes. Hmm. So hopefully, I mean, there obviously people are kind of waking up to this and seeing that there could be potential problems with that. What about legislation? Is there anything federal or state, and Gary, are you aware of anything at the state level that's been either proposed or died in committee or gone on as far as human trafficking in general, let alone the specific now abortion, crossing state lines for abortions issue? I don't know. I mean, definitely... To my knowledge, not anything having to do with um, aviation and trafficking, I don't think. But to me, it would be interesting to look at – I mean, look, every airline pilot, every airline, every airstrip is is licensed. Mm -hmm. Yes, these are private companies, but this activity, when you start talking about traveling through airspace, is permissible through licensing. And I don't know – Right now, without looking, the the interplay between interstate and intrastate uh, licensing and how the FAA regulates those things from state to state. But I would have to imagine that the state of Tennessee would be able to take steps in terms of revoking those privileges to those licensed entities should any of them be found to be participating in these activities. So any of these – my, my first thought is any of these um, – any operational part of a, an airline and any of their aircraft and any pilot who holds a license for aviation, I would imagine could be somehow suspended in the state of Tennessee from operating within the state if they are found to be participating in something like elevated access. Because don't you think, consider the political environment right now and how the FBI, CIA, uh, EPA, IRS have all been turned against the American citizen, and we look the other way while well, the border is completely porous and we're being invaded from our southern border in particular. Do you not fear that the FAA is also going to look the other way when these things happen, being that the FAA is a branch of an administration that is f- in favor of abortion? So it seems to me that from a state level, as with every other federal imposition, we're going to have to carve out our own way to protect and defend Tennessee from, if if they're not active, at least for overlooking it and letting this happen. <clears throat> are these, are the, what would you say, 700 pilots now? It was 700 as of three or four days ago. Are these pilots that own their own airplanes? How, what, how, is this, how are they using planes? Okay, so according to the <clears throat> website on Elevated Out, 
access, there is a um, way to volunteer. Mm. Um, And one of the things, they do say on there, even if you don't own your own plane, still asked to volunteer. So I, I don't know if people would share, if they, if, you know, they'd be getting... So if they're not their planes, they may have access to planes that they just need these people to fly. Right. Well, I bet it's a both end. I would imagine you go to Elevated Access and you can volunteer your plane and you mm-hmm. can volunteer exactly. your services and they, yes. they make those connections. Yes. Yeah. Yes. One of the things that I also was concerned about even um, is, you know, with the out-of-state abortions, just say Chicago or, or not Chicago, but Illinois in general, just becomes a potential abortion destination for the people of Tennessee. My question is who, after they get to that airport, whatever local airport up in Illinois, who is taking them back and forth? It's not just pilots. It's who is, who are the people that are going to take them to the abortion clinic or house them if they need an extra day of housing? And I did look at their vetting process, which I thought was very, very interesting. It says here in their vetting process, once an organization gets your application, many will do a deep dive on your social media presence, request references, and otherwise ensure that you are who you say you are and that you truly support people seeking abortions. The risk and fear of being infiltrated by people who are actually anti-abortion and seeking to hurt clients and the organizations themselves is high and not taken lightly. White volunteers are not perpetuating harm, whether explicitly or inadvertently, to people of color seeking abortion. So, and there, there's no background checks other than social media, which I just thought was so. Hmm. But that, that was just um, a little bizarre too. Yeah, they don't. They don't want to know. Right? I don't there's, think they there's do. There's plausible deniability. I didn't know anything about exactly. who this was. And that, yeah. that's exactly what concerns me with minors or anybody in general that is, you know, that are planning on crossing state lines. And I, I don't know if Illinois is going to be the destination that people go to. But if you're looking on the map right now, it seems... Illinois, by the way, is also where this uh, 501c3 Correct. was incorporated. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I'm just thinking, like, through this legislatively and getting something like this done. Like, there, there's going to be an argument made about because now we've not banned abortion, but in Tennessee we we have mm-hmm. uh, not quite yet. By the way, a couple we, more weeks, right? Well, we well here's where we are. We are still waiting for the court, the Supreme Court, to issue the official order, which they say they'll do sometime in July. So, all we have now is an opinion. <clears throat> Once the official order has been made, that is when the 30-day period begins in Tennessee by which the trigger law will go into an effect after that 30-day period, and we we amend our codes as such in Tennessee. What we have been able to do, the Attorney General Herbert Slatery did petition the court, and it was granted that immediately – our heartbeat bill that we passed mm-hmm. in 2019, I guess it was, or no, 2020, is now in effect, which means today in Tennessee, uh, an abortion is illegal at six weeks, I believe. Uh, I think that was – it was a whole variation of things, but I believe the earliest was a six-week ban or a heartbeat. And so that's that's where we are today until the order comes down and a 30-day period in the trigger law. But the argument's going to be, okay, well – the, the court returned abortion to the states and issued states' rights, and Tennessee enacted its laws. But now, can you prevent 
private citizens from traveling to other states exercising their rights. This is where I was going to go with it. To go to another state and have an abortion. Yeah. And while I'm certainly pro-life and anti-abortion, that's going to be a tall hill to climb. So the way you would have to position this is minors mm-hmm. and trafficking. I was just going to say minors trafficking I, without consent. I think that's the— that's Those are my concerns because yeah. I understand that somebody over 18 wanting to just go and access a, an abortion I think wouldn't— in and of it, like uh, on its face, being an organization—obviously none of us agree with this organization and what they stand for, but being an organization that thinks they're offering— whatever they want to call it, quote-unquote healthcare, <laughs> whatever, to individuals that think they want it, that on its face, I, there's not much you can do about that. I mean, that's just... Yeah, that, and I don't that think... That is what it is. I don't think that's the focus of this conversation. It's this clearly one, about minor this trafficking one in particular without parental consent. has consent. the potential to be very dangerous Yeah, because of just the nature of what it is. Air, airplanes being able to come in and out very quickly and to greater distances very quickly. I, I think... In discussing it, I think this actually has, now that Dobbs is, has happened and these organizations are now like trying to figure out, okay, well, how do we get people access to abortions? I think this actually has the potential to bring more development to these child trafficking networks. They're going to be working overtime now figuring out how to overcome these challenges and putting more sophisticated networks like Elevated Access to actually providing airfare and all of these types of travel networks for these services. So I think, you know, in one sense, it almost seems like human trafficking is about to become a lot more sophisticated and there'll be a lot more people interested in getting involved almost. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I just wanted to clear that up because I'm, yeah. just, I'm just thinking through all the implications of, of Dobbs and how do we – because when you think about liberty, again, uh, killing your child is not liberty. Don't mishear me. But literally the essence of liberty has always been understood as locomotion. So when you think about keeping adults from traveling or crossing yeah. state lines, that would be that implicitly yet. unconstitutional. But certainly it is incumbent upon every state – and every government to protect children from predators. And and this is what we're going to be facing here under the guise of providing health care. Uh-huh. And how do we position that legislatively to get it done? It's yeah. going to be the challenge. And I, I, I have a question for you for that. Like, even if they were to say something to the effect of any kind of procedure without parental permission, like, it, could there possibly see, be some sort of legislation just for that. You mean like, like like they would have to require parental consent? Yes, yes, yeah. to travel across. If it is a 14-year-old traveling across state lines for a procedure, almost every time, they have, what is it, miracle flights? Is it miracle flights where they transfer children to have procedures in, you know, other states that, um, if they're in a state that can't provide that surgery. Um, and usually there's a doctor involved and this doctor, you know, collaborates with this doctor in the other state right. and then the parents are involved <clears throat> and, and and they go across state lines to have these surgeries. But I'm saying like if there's a 14-year-old in Tennessee that is pregnant and she doesn't want her parents knowing about it, 
can there be something saying you can't transport a child? Because then that's off yeah. record, too. It's off record because, again, if you were to travel on Delta or American or something, you are going to have that record of that person. Yep. You know, well, you, if somebody loses their kid, runaway, for example. Well, well, two things. Yeah. It, it being a minor, dealing with minors makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. So there's two ways you could do that. Yes, one is you could pass a law to say, you know, you could forbid all of this activity and travel uh, without parental consent. That's one way to do it. Mm-hmm. But the other way to do it is since, since we're dealing with minors, the state could could ban that activity, period, just in terms of it being a minor with or without parental consent. This bill died this year in committee, but there was a bill submitted that, for for example, would have prevented any licensed physician in the state of Tennessee from doing a sex change operation on a minor, period. So in this case, Tennessee's unconcerned whether or not the the parents want a seven-year-old to have a sex change. A licensed physician in the state of Tennessee cannot do a sex change operation on a seven-year-old, period. So I think the state does have an obligation and have the ability per state powers uh, to just blanket say folks with licenses, you know, airlines, pilots and physicians and the like cannot provide these services to minors, period. That doesn't, we don't even have to worry about parental consent. That would be my approach, you know, if I were to do something like that. Right, is there any uh, – you know because you're in aviation – in airline industry, I I don't know what the feasibility of this is, but for these smaller airports, is it, it is there any legislation that could be introduced to put more regulation around these smaller airports? Like manifests have to be turned in, like names. Yeah, I like I, you were saying. I feel you, like they have like um, you know they have like the hangar fees and stuff <clears> like <throat> that. I, and again, I'm I'm not I'm not an airline employee anymore. Yeah, but um, but, but just you were knowing mentioning people, like. It's very easy for people to get on and off an airplane with nobody even be knowing right. who is doing that at a small airplane. Yeah, I mean, airport. I, I believe, you know, they'll have the tail number and everything. And, you know, John, are like you saying you want to submit legislation so that the government knows more about what every <laughs> private individual yeah, I, is yeah, doing? I know that sounds weird. Um, <laughs> I don't. I'm spitballing here. (laughs) I will. I will say. I don't know if I. I, I'm with you, (laughs) Carrie. I don't know if I would be for that. But I I do. Again, it's. I think like you. I don't know how you get around it though. If if that is what it is, like how how do you stop that? Yeah. Well, let me address a piece of legislation that was introduced in 2017. Federal legislation by, give the person credit. Wow, always hard names. Ileana Ross. Lettinen, mm. a Republican from Florida. You nailed it. <laughs> so, so this, but listen to this because obviously someone was thinking about this in 2017, uh, 115th Congress. Um, so it would have been the beginning of the Trump administration. It's really short, so I'll read it. This bill amends the federal criminal code to make it a crime to knowingly transport a minor across a state line to obtain an abortion without satisfying a parental involvement law in the minor's resident state. A parental involvement law requires parental consent or notification or judicial authorization for a minor to obtain an abortion. A violator would be subject to criminal penalties, a fine up to one year in prison or both. And then the bill has some of the, what we would call the traditional exceptions if there was Harm. Now, that's, I don't know whatever happened with that bill. It obviously didn't become law, but I find it curious 
that someone was thinking about this very thing even for, what is it, five years ago. And it certainly outlines perhaps a way to address this issue legislatively. Was that specifically related to abortion or was it for any well, it's, called, it's H.R. 692 was called the Child Interstate Abortion Notification oh, so, Act. Okay. Yeah. That is interesting. And, and obviously they went the parental the parental consent route. Which on that. makes a lot more sense than my spitballing idea. But I think that's probably the way you handle it. And, and obviously you probably expand that from just abortion to any. Yeah, child trafficking. Or, or any medical procedure. Medical procedure. Yeah. yeah. For a minor without consent of the parent. Because it gets back to this issue of, as Gary mentioned at the outset, when you have doctors pulling 12-year-old girls into the into the office and suggesting that they should unload in confidence something to the doctor that they would never disclose to their First parents. First of all, it's my 12-year-old is never going in the room alone with a doctor. Yeah. So that's the first point. Yep. <laughs> but I, it is so critical that everybody understands the different parts to this, right? We think about it, and just when we think we've we've understood where the left is coming from, now there's another avenue that they're, that they're going to be exploiting that people need to be aware of. And that's primarily why I wanted Jamie to come and mm. talk with us today. Yeah, I just wanted to say one more thing. Just I, I think working, and I'm not as active as I used to be years ago, but one of the things that I've always found with the pro-life um, advocacy is you almost have to be one step ahead of the pro-abortion thinking people. It, it's they're always <clears throat> trying to come up with something, how to get around us. And, yeah, we're and always we're reactionary. We, you know, it, it is. It's like I think the pro-life community, if they can just be that wall, you know, to kind of be there in front of them before they can get to whatever. Yeah, which They're requires next. going on the offense instead of always the defense. Exactly. When your defense, all you're doing is constantly reacting to what mm-hmm. they're doing. But if you're thinking ahead mm-hmm. and going on offense, and perhaps this is something that we can get out on offense a little ahead. If they started just in May, perhaps, yeah, and are already up to 700 pilots mm-hmm. volunteering to do this, maybe at least locally with local airports, um, that we might be able to do something about it. And what's going to be a, a, a larger issue, too, is the fact that, and I'm, I'm just thinking about the implications of this network, right? Because I was already thinking, well, after Dobbs and the defeat of Roe, we're returning this back to the states, knowing that what's going to happen now is you're, you are going to create, we're going to further divide this country. I mean, states are going to become deeper red and deeper blue, right? And you're going to have these significant, you know, pro-abortion states. And this network is only going to exacerbate that in terms of this elevated access. And so, yes, Tennessee can pass a law restricting our citizens and restricting folks that are licensed in our state from participating in these networks and requiring parental consent. But at the end of the day, you know, that's that's going to be a drop in the bucket, really, uh, in terms of what's going to be happening nationally. And I say that because I was having a conversation with someone about Roe and, and abortion. And I was stuck on the fact that, yes, this is states' rights. States mm. should be able to legislate this. That's That still creates significant problems in terms of abortion and life, liberty, and property, which our United States Constitution is supposed to protect. This really should be and is – with a proper interpretation of the Constitution, a federal issue. If we 
understood what was understood by common law as what the Constitution refers to as a person, we would all know that the person protected by the United States Constitution includes the person in the womb. Yes. And constitutionally, that person in the in the womb has rights to life, liberty, and property. And so the really federal law should restrict any state constitutionally from allowing an abortion. <clears throat> and, and didn't some and now correct me if it was in a concurring or if it was in the majority opinion, one of the justices kind of hinted at that and you know how you, how you do it whenever there is a new holding that comes down from the court, the judges also kind of project what is coming or what could come by how they fashion the language of that opinion. Yeah, I think I think and it would have been Thomas someone, that I think it was in a maybe it was I think it was the majority and I think it was in a footnote or something yeah, somewhere. He made reference to that very thing for the purpose of opening the door for that very argument. Yeah, I'm just thinking about where we are culturally and. I think we're going to see some really nasty things in some of these states, you know, anyway. Yeah. (laughs) I think your argument comes down to when you define a person that Mm -hmm. you can say that all day long, but the person who's going to argue with you about that Mm -hmm. is going to define when that is a person differently than you do, Mm -hmm. which is why. If we start with the Bible, it always gives us gives us the right, <laughs> right. approach. That is Psalm, the, yes. Psalm 139, 16, God's eyes saw our unformed bodies. All the days ordained for us were written in his book before one of them came to be. Amen. Yeah. Well, I love that also, you know, John the Baptist in the womb mm-hmm. recognized Jesus when he was in the womb. Yep. And you had these two babies in the womb recognizing, you know, who they were. Amen. Uh, So that's, you know, that's where life is, y'all. And then we have all the science and everything to back it up. (laughs) Science! Why don't we care about real science? No, no, I I just, I'm like, it's all backing up the scripture. 4D, 5D, or 6D by now, you know, we can see the baby. I know, it's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah. um, Well, thanks, Jamie. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. It doesn't seem like it was your first time at all. Thank you. You guys made it very comfortable. So thank you. I was very nervous coming in here. Um, Not in this room. Oh, thank you. Um, can I just say one more thing, like just just really quickly um, yep. here? I, I wanted to just say for those of you guys in the um, pro-life community, you hear a lot of times, you know, nobody cares about the baby after it's born. And, and you know, you have had a lot of pro-abortion people say that. And I just want to really, really push that you guys uh, look up your pregnancy care centers, crisis pregnancy centers. There are thousands of them in the United States and so many. And I, I guarantee there's one super close to where you are and, and just learn how to get involved. They are doing so many things for women, families, babies, from everything from maternity clothes, baby clothes, diapers, but also helping people with insurance, helping people with housing, helping, mm-hmm. you know, even post-abortive counseling for those who have gone through an abortion. I mean, these these guys are doing such a phenomenal job, and I, I just, I can't say more good things about them. So just, just 
check those those guys out. They're doing a phenomenal Great. job. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, and if uh, um, Joe Rogan or Matt Walsh ever want to sit where Jamie's sitting, <laughs> that's oh, right. So are we are we going to now? Are we adding Matt Walsh now to the? Yeah, the last, I, I thought the last we were, couple yeah. of episodes yeah, we've done. Yeah, that. Okay. He, I mean, I'm I'm fine with it. He's the low hanging fruit. He's right here in town. <laughs> oh, now he's not going to come on because you call <laughs> we him call low hanging fruit. fruit. Wow, he, he'd be okay with that. I'm confident he'd be okay with that. Nice. All right. Thanks. Till next time. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Matters podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. And remember, as revolutionary Thomas Paine once stated, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting it.